You're listening to Lab Notes by Play Labs, where we focus on gameplay, communication, and wellness. Let's get to the lab. Hey, welcome to the first episode of Lab Notes. I am Neil, the CEO, also known as Spoonman. I am joined today by Jared, our general manager of the lab in Farmington Hills. Good to be here, guys. We'll be uh, talking today to Amiibo King, or Dre, if you know him as Dre. He's a local gamer, father, and Smash tournament operator. We'll catch up with uh, what we have planned at the lab in the next few months here and what we've been playing. So, hey, let's jump in and see what we've got going on at the lab. Hey guys, Jared here. Excited to tell you about what we have coming up in the next couple of months here at the lab. The thing I think I'm most excited about is our partnership with the Hawk. One of the things we're doing with them is running a essentially middle school esports league for the after school youth program. So the Hawk has all these local schools that they bring a couple hundred kids into the Hawk to do stuff. And up until now, they haven't had an awesome space like Play Labs to come into. So because we're here and because the kids are here, we're going to be running a league for them and they'll be able to get in. And our leagues that we're developing are going to be for the 13 plus crowd. Outside of that, we do have plenty of other events for adults, like our fighting game tournaments with Grand Finals Gaming or our own in-house Smash tournaments, which recently, if you came out for one of those, we're going to have more for you. So if you're hungry for more, we're going to have more and you'll be able to come back and play Smash right here at Play Labs again. As for people looking for more things to do that aren't related to after-school youth program or fighting game community, keep an eye out on our weeknights. If you look on our website, you can see our upcoming Learn to Play series, which is for those of you who have never played a game before that's really popular and never have known how to get into it. Learn to Play is the perfect opportunity to learn it no matter what age you are. So come with your friends, come with your family. It's for ages 13 plus, and we hope to see you at one of those sessions coming up soon. Want the lab to yourself? Host a private party and get exclusive access to our entire 3,000 square foot gaming lab for your birthday party, bachelor or bachelorette party, or company event. Visit playlabs.gg party to book today. Use the promo code podcast for a $50 discount. Hello, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's your boy Dre Thompson, aka also known as Amiibo King, Showdown Dre, here in the flesh. We've known each other for a while, right, Dre? I mean, I don't know how many years it's been. At least six. <laughs> yeah. At least six. Say, right? It's back in the, the Ferndale days, even, right? Yeah. Uh, I was just looking at something the other day. Um, I have a domain name, Smashfield.com. I, I, apparently, I've owned Smashfield.com for a while. <laughs> or you have or you have something to say about that <laughs> i was like like why do i have this domain? it was i was I, I saw a renewal come through and i was like what why do i own this domain <laughs> wow and i was like smashfield wow. so the long story short of it is going back to 2015 schoolcraft college wii u the smashfield weeklies took place at Schoolcraft Livonia. Then, since it was in a public event, there's there are college students there. It wasn't really sanctioned by the college. There's kind of like some underground backdoor stuff. We moved, he moved the event due to um, you know not having a real a true affiliation with the school. It's like a private group. So Plum Hollow Lanes in Southfield. Right. But 
when we moved to South, when he moved to Southfield, which is essentially my neck of the woods, and I have I initially found the Plum Hollow venue because the FGC group, our local FGC group, was using it. I'm like, this would be perfect for Smash. So I was hosting that Plum Hollow first, and so I'm like, okay, you can do the weekly here or whatever. He, you know, secures the venue for the Thursdays, but due to the nature of the group, we had a lot of people coming from Novi, Northfield. Um, I'd say a, uh, the demographic essentially was high school students, but these were, I don't want to say privileged, but these were like essentially well-off individuals coming to coming close to Detroit, the inner city, and their parents didn't necessarily feel safe. So that was, so that was a big deal. And so you've got, you know, people complaining on the internet because who doesn't love to complain on the internet? <laughs> and so we moved, the, I helped him find a venue. We moved from Southfield to Troy. And so that's where I essentially, I was coming, I was providing equipment. I had monitors, I had consoles. And so people are like, well, Dre, you doing your own thing or are you doing your own thing? We want y'all to do it together. Mm, okay. So hence Troy, then from Troy, we moved to Ferndale, uh, Ferndale to activate high score and the rest is history. So that was, that was my buddy. That's, that's my boy still. I think the weekly, uh, from a weekly perspective with games that take place in person. So Super Smash Brothers is the game I'm referring to. So let me clarify that. The most recent iteration for the Switch is Smash Ultimate. And the way that the creator of Smash designed the game is supposed to be played in person with groups of four and that group and that number has gone to eight. So the game has from inception been designed to be played in person. So that is why the in-person community thrives. Right. Now, from a from a in-person standpoint, you have two groups. A smasher is either going to be a competitive person or they're going to be a casual. Not everybody is showing up to in-person events to compete. So that's always been a, a, a struggle for any organizer. How do I um, quell or meet the concerns of these two audiences? And so then you factor in I don't want to say Smash is a young man's game because, you know, gaming is evolving. You've got people sure. that have grew up with gaming since the Atari, right? right? So you've got a broad group. But predominantly, Smash has been played by, you know, younger children or those from that 10 to 18 age, you know, demographic. Okay. And then they're relying on money from the parents to, you know, go out to the events. So I would say limited resources. And then you factor in college. These people have grown up and gone to college. They still want to get their competitive itch. Does that group come together at a certain point? They do. So you have, I would consider Smashfield a local. Mm -hmm. You've got your regionals, you got your nationals, and you got your majors. So I would say like for Detroit, we got Big House and we have Frostbite. So I do Big House and I used to do Frostbite. Frostbite no longer exists, but who knows what the future could hold. Sure. Or a spiritual successor maybe. And then you have, you know, the Big House, which is has Melee, which is like the old version of Smash that still is, you know, played very heavily. And then you've got Ultimate. So it's purpose in those communities. And that's trying to shift to a more family focused event. But the, uh, the Big House is seen as uh, a staple major. It's taking place for over 10 years. People have been coming out from all over the world to compete at the So... I noticed, I mean, what you're up to now is kind of a diverse set of things in terms of coaching. And you're still doing any TO work? 
I do. So this year, earlier this year, I went out to Gamal. Actually, I was one of the head organizers for Gamal for Melee. The year previously, I did Ultimate. So even though I started local, my, I want to say my resume speaks, but I've done competitively for Smash and FGC. I've worked everything from Evo to DreamHacks to uh, Big House, Genesis, Shine. Like I've went all over the United States as well as Canada for competitive fighting game tournaments. Which one would you want to go back to or which one haven't you been to that you want to go to? Okay, so <laughs> that I haven't been to is hard because I've been to, I feel like, all the staple events. So if I had to go back to, like this year, I'm sad I didn't go to EVO due to okay. kind of work conflicts. This was the EVO to go to because yeah. with the launch of Street Fighter Six and uh, support from the developers, there was a lot of crossover from Super Smash Brothers player, players playing a competitive Street Fighter. And even though Smash hasn't been at the last several Evos, the community still went out and supported and contributed to that. I want to say they had the 9,000 entering count number, et cetera. So yeah. it was more so um, a real community engagement, whereas it's like, okay, we don't care about Smash. It's about the overall FGC. So. This was the this I think was probably the best Evo to date for the simple fact of the circuit, Capcom support, Project L demo being there. Uh, they had I think Evo Day named after them in Nevada. Yeah, yeah. That was like I think this was the year and the moment that kind of even though esports has been more solidified over time, this kind of further cemented the deal. And, then, right. and Capcom actually sponsoring Evo and having a stake in it just makes it even more important of an event. So, you think going forward that, that this is like the start of something or, or is this the culmination of something? You know, it's, it's hard to say because like when you have a new game, like I'll give you a perfect example of a game that I'm sad didn't take off that I felt like could have been a great I don't want to say a competitor, but a compliment to Smash was Multiverses. Okay. And I say yeah. Multiverses was great because you had Warner Brothers. You've got these beautiful character right. IPs from Game of Thrones, Superman, Batman. You had LeBron James as a playable <laughs> character in a video game. And I'm a Jordan fan, by the way, but you had LeBron James. And just with the whole Discovery, Warner Brothers merger... I shouldn't be saying this publicly, but that just like really botched the budget for the game. And if you even see articles, they went from like a hundred, two hundred thousand like monthly players to like sixteen thousand. Wow! And it was just they just got decimated. But just last year, they had the hundred thousand uh, dollar prize pool at Evo, and and Smash player, two Smash players that I'm friends with, Boyd and the Cat, actually won the tournament. So. Wow. It's so, it, it's so sad, and it's it's not. They're gonna do another multiverses, I think. Yeah. But it's just the launch of a game is so important. So I say all that to say to circle back to Street Fighter. Capcom announces the million dollar circuit, and for FGC players, like we've been, it's just been poverty, right? Just in regards to actual prize pools, Evo's prize pool has been ten dollars for a number of years, right? And only I want to say the top, maybe eight or. 16 people, you know, get paid from that. So 9,000 people, $90,000, only eight people are actually seeing the money. Right. So this was the year. So I say Evo number one, 
Number two, I'll say is Genesis in California. That's like another big smash major. But Genesis is so important because like the name is the start of everything. It's in, I want to say San Jose, Oakland, Cali. Beautiful weather. They put you in sure. an opera house. That is one nice. of the, that, if that that is like one of the best events to go to outside of I would say for me Evo, Gamo, Midwest people. If you're FGC, you're gonna say Combo Breaker from it's in Chicago. Sure. Right. You know pricing. Shout out to Rick. That was one of I say my mentors early on. Uh, Jabali, he does CEO in Orlando or Daytona Beach. Yeah. That's another you know with the wrestling theme. It's Florida. Right. You you American, you traveled to Florida vacation there. Sure. So yeah. those I would say are at the standard. And I got a red big house too, right? It's Detroit. I'm from Detroit. I love Detroit. People come here, like that's what that's what it is. Like those the ones in Gamble, Canada. Canada, I'm like an honorary Canadian citizen. <laughs> I've been going to Toronto for like six, seven years. Downtown Sheraton, like shout out to Joe Cravari. That's that's my boy. How many people do you expect at um, Big House? Annually, average they're averaging between two to three thousand people. Okay, right. so that's, that's that's a good turnout, especially for video games, right? right. And it's at Kobo, well TCF Center, Huntington Place, whatever okay. you want to call it. If you you know, you know. Yeah, yep. <laughs> but yep. downtown Detroit, you know, are basically our city hall or like the main one of the biggest venues in Michigan for competitive gaming. I I think that's pretty significant. This podcast is produced by Podcast Nation. Just like great gamers are made at Play Labs, great podcasts are made at Podcast Nation. Visit us at podcastnation.com to learn more. All right, Jared, what's your thought on this Activision basically pulling back a little bit on the Overwatch League and Call of Duty Leagues? I think that's more about the esports ecosystem as a whole. They bit off a bit more they can chew. And when I say they, I mean every company that was trying to rush into esports and and have these pro leagues where they're trying to be, you know, the, the NFL with 32 teams and that kind of viewership. And they just don't have the reach they thought they did. A lot of these numbers that they're getting are overinflated from world's events or finals events where tons of people come out and there's not as many people watching the regular season. And one league that I think actually has done it right and is a glowing kind of beacon for what NA should do as a whole is looking over at the LEC or the League of Legends professional scene in Europe, where they invested a lot in content around their casts, where they have just these fun things that make the casters more personal and you have a reason to tune in Mm. other than just watching the game. You look over there, they've done it right. They have a great farm ecosystem. So the pro teams have these up-and-coming youth pro uh, players that they're investing in, whereas in North America, the professional teams are cutting back on the farm systems. So you look at League of Legends, they just cut their uh, they're essentially AAA, and they said that pro teams don't need to have those kind of teams. And the Overwatch League just restructuring and offering these players or teams a buyout and saying, hey, if you don't think this is going to be a successful venture, we'll pay you to leave it. And then we can structure it how we want to. Right. So I think what they need to do just as a whole is focus back on the people that actually matter in the scene. And those aren't those traditional sports fans and all the money that comes along with it. They just need to focus on the players that enjoy the game again. 
And that's where they'll find success because that's where the success was initially. It was people who played the game that liked it enough to watch it. And, and this is definitely warrants a longer discussion in, a, in, a, in another episode in the <laughs> yeah. future for sure because I think it's very valuable to understand. And there are definitely a lot of people that are in this network of competitive video games that are trying to figure out how this works financially. I mean, that's at the end of the day, that's really what it comes down to. And uh, it's unfortunate because us as gamers, we're really, we're really interesting group, right? Like we don't want to be taken financially by advertisers, but a free game makes hundreds of millions of dollars a month yeah. in microtransactions. But the second that you get an ad to buy a new TV or a cell phone or something like that, you get pissed off about it. So it's kind of like this really weird, how do you make money as an organization? How do you put on a, a massive event and then cover that cost with the players that refuse to pay money? You know, and I say players, I mean fans, but. Yeah. So what have you been playing, Jared? I've been playing this really obscure Steam game that just came out of early access called Inkbound. It's a, kind of a turn-based strategy game. It's a really good time, and that's what I'm going to go back to doing after we're done here. So, Inkbound? No Inkbound, Ink yeah. Okay. And, Neil, I, it's been scratching at the back of my head. Before we go, is there enough time to tell us why you go by Spoonman? <laughs> Absolutely. Spoonman in the early 90s from Soundgarden. So, yeah, I mean, it's been my username since since before you were born. So, <laughs> so it was just a random username. I mean, it, it's really what it came from. It came from the song. Um, the joke behind that was a lot of people would ask me that same thing online. And uh, I would answer, oh, well, all my, all my friends are brown and red. It's certainly an interesting story, and I think we all can relate to that as gamers coming up with a unique username. Thanks for listening to Lab Notes. Visit playlabs.gg to find out more about our programming and schedule. Be sure to join our Discord and pop into the podcast channel to ask us questions or tell us what you think. See you next week. Game on!